Welcome to Fully Vetted, Animal Care News from the Clinic to the Farm, presented by the Ohio Veterinary Medical Association. Thanks for joining us for episode 36 of Fully Vetted. I'm Kristen Bennett. On this episode, we welcome back Dr. Scott Pendleton, AVMA Alternate Delegate for Ohio and owner of Heritage Veterinary Care in Hopewell. Today, he's sharing insight from his 30-plus years of practicing in a rural community where he is one of only a handful of veterinarians serving the area. We've doubled our gross in less than two years, so it is true if you build it, they will come. He also offers advice to students and veterinarians who are thinking of relocating to a quiet little community somewhere off the beaten path. One more thing before we get started. For those of you who are OVMA members, we want to let you know that the fall issue of The Observer is on its way to you as we speak. If you receive yours by mail, be sure to check your mailbox this week for your copy. You can also download a PDF in the Members Only Center at ohiovma.org members. Now, on to the show. So, welcome to the Fully Vetted Podcast. I'm your host, Mia Cunningham. And I'm joined today by Dr. Scott Pendleton of Heritage Veterinary Care Surgical and Wellness Center in Hopeville, Ohio. Welcome and thank you for joining me today, Dr. Pendleton. You are welcome. I'm glad to be here. So we invited you on today um, because we want to learn a little bit more about you, the history of your clinic, and your opinions on the state of rural veterinary medicine. So if you don't mind, we'll just kind of jump in with a little bit of your history. So as I understand, you purchased your hospital Cadiz Animal Clinic in 1993, just a few years after graduating from Ohio State. How has the clinic and the way you practice medicine in general evolved over the last several years? So uh, first of all, it's Cadiz in Kentucky. It's Cadiz in Ohio. But yeah, so Caddis Animal Clinic was actually began in 1905. It was not called Caddis Animal Clinic until uh, the early 60s, but I am the fourth owner since 1905. That's where we came up with the name Heritage Veterinary Care because we have a heritage of over 100 years of continuous service to the community. One change is consolidation in the food animal industry on the beef end and loss of the food animal industry in the dairy end. When I came to this area in 1992, we had, I would say I did 30 dairies. I had approximately four to six beef herds that had at least 500 head of cattle. And I was approximately 80% large animal food animal mostly. I never was much of a horse vet. I mean, I did work on horses because I had to, but they weren't my interest. When I retired from large animal medicine, an opportunity arose and I gave all my equipment and my mailing list and everything to a young veterinarian two years ago. And so March of 19, I officially stopped doing large animal. We were down to less than 10% large animal. Currently, the county I live in has one dairy, maybe two, but one one dairy for sure. There are probably in the whole area no more than three or four active dairies. So the industry in this area has changed. The small dairies are going to continue to go out. Also, the beef herds have consolidated. So instead of having six herds with 500, now there's two herds. One has 3,000 and one has 1,500. So that has changed a lot. 
in rural veterinary medicine, the issue is work-life balance. That's the number one issue, especially if you're doing large animals. When you're the only large animal person in the area, you're pretty much on call all the time to serve the community. So for 30 of my 32 years, I was on call pretty much 24-7 when I was at home. And that's just not a sustainable business model in the modern world. And so it's changed the type of medicine you do. You do a lot more of a guy that has, you know, five cows or 10 or 20 cows as opposed to the big guy. So there's some profit issues there. And horses have gone up exponentially. The guy that took over my practice does a lot more horses than I ever did. Now, he likes to do horses, so that's, that's a benefit. And from the small animal perspective, and, and I tell my staff this all the time, we used to regularly hear, I'm sorry, it's not worth that much. I'm going to take him home and shoot him. You know, we are in Appalachia, and that's just a reality, but we don't hear that anymore. There's been a complete change in how dogs are perceived. Even the farm dogs are perceived differently than they used to be. So the level of care they get is, is much higher. And so that has been a significant change in rural medicine. Do you have any indication as to why that is? Oh, it's just generational. I mean, you know, my generation, the old crotchety guys like me, you know, we didn't have a dog in the house. They were farm dogs. They were in the garage and they had a blanket to sleep on and they got food and that's what they got. My nephews live on the same farm I lived and they don't have outdoor dogs. <laughs> They're still farm dogs. They still play in the mud every day, but they sleep in the house every night. You know, that would not have happened in our house. So there's just a generational change there. And, and it's obviously for the better for the animals, but you can see it around. I mean, you don't drive around and see dogs tied to a dog box like you used to. You, know, that you was really very, don't. No, I think yeah, about it. That was very common. And it's it's not unheard of, but it's much less common than it used to be. So there's just been a change in the way pets are perceived in society, even in rural areas. How large is the geographic area you serve? When I first started, I did three counties. Okay. The problem with Eastern Ohio is how do you get from A to B when there's no straight way to get there? The road might only be 16 miles long to get to a house, but it has so many turns and so many hills, it takes you 40 minutes to drive there. And so the issue for rural practice, large animal is windshield time. A, you can't make money and B, it just takes too long to drive that far. And so over time, I finally had cut my area down to my home county plus pieces of the counties around me. When I retired from large animal, the days of me driving 40 miles one way were over. So there has been a lot of talk in the industry about practice owners having difficulty finding new and retaining current staff. Are you experiencing this trend in your practice? So I have a lot of thoughts on that, but the answer is no. I've got many long-term employees. They are paid very well. My nurses make as much as human nurses. I treat them well, and they have a good work-life balance. And if you do those things, you don't have turnover. At my clinic, if you turn over, it's because I fired you. But I haven't tried to hire a veterinarian. We're just getting ready to try to hire a veterinarian. We're going to need another veterinary assistant. So I know turnover in the industry is horrible, but I... I don't have that issue. I've had them leave, like burn out a little bit. And then they, you know, after they get their head together, they come back. I've had that happen more than once. 
I've got three employees out there right now that decided the grass was not as green as they thought it was, and they came back within a year. Take me back, please. <laughs> yeah. When they leave, you just be nice to them. Say, look, I understand. You know, if you want to improve your life, if you think it's better, and, and I tell you, if you let them go and they come back, they're dedicated employees. So I do not have the turnover. Right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to knock on wood. <laughs> I have literally the tightest staff I've ever had. Never, ever in 32 years has my life been as good as it is right now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So these guys work together. They're, they're highly trained. You know, I, I send them the training. I'm sending a couple of them to Las Vegas for the conference in Las Vegas. And, you know, that kind of stuff goes a long way. So what yeah. I'm hearing for our listeners is pay them well. <laughs> pay them well. Yeah. Educate them well. <laughs> Educate, give them the opportunity, opportunity to grow. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, grow. Yeah. One nurse that wanted to be certified in rehab, I paid it. You know, if you want to go to the extra mile and be certified and it cost me a thousand bucks, whatever, that's that's money well spent because A, she's happy and B, it's a value added service. How many people do you currently have on staff? I have three doctors and four technicians. I have one, two, three front staff. I have two administrative staff and I have six or seven assistants. So you are sitting pretty over there. Yeah, well... We leverage them. You know, I mean, I leverage my staff. That's all there is to it. My nurses go in the room. By the time I go in the room, the entire physical's done. The blood's drawn. The client's been talked to about everything they need to be talked to. I just go in there and I look good. So just a well-oiled machine. That's awesome. Yeah, it is a well-oiled machine. It's getting, okay. it's getting more well-oiled. It was a little squeaky when we first moved, but okay. we're still tweaking it. It's always a work in progress. Aside from everything being so wonderfully operating at just such a high efficient level, do you have any challenges that you've encountered at your rural practice that maybe suburban clinics may not have to address or worry about? The county does have 20% poverty level. You know, there's care credit and all this, but the bottom line is the people that need care credit can't get it. So there are challenges there because I am committed to serving the pets, even if the owners can't always afford to serve the pets. Otherwise, the biggest issue I would say is the area we draw from is large. So you tell somebody, hey, come in and get this medicine, and they might be 36 miles away. And so it's an hour drive. And that's good because that means they're committed to us. But there's also that issue there. Um, The biggest one is is lack of availability to emergency care. Our nearest emergency clinic's about an hour and 20 minutes away. Oh, wow. So we kind of are the last of the Mohicans. We still do some emergency work. Uh, We've cut it back a little bit. But we're still available all weekend. Where most urban practices at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock, they just turf to an emergency clinic. So yeah. that is not always a viable option in our area. So we do still provide emergency work. Is it, and is that you specifically? That's all three doctors. Okay. So we're on every three weeks and um, it's not too bad. You know, the vast majority of people just need somebody to talk them off the ledge. You know, their dog had a seizure. Ah, just relax. You know, <laughs> call me Monday. If he has another one, call me tomorrow. You know, but it's people don't know what an emergency is. 
You know, I, I was on call this last weekend and I talked to two different people on Sunday and I had them do some things at home. And I said, listen, if you're not better, you call in the morning and I'll make sure you get in. And neither one of them called. We're like everybody else. We got a waiting list. We're busy. Yeah. Well, but it sounds like you can triage though too over the phone with a little bit of time. Well, you do triage and that's yeah. that's the benefit. You know, the yeah. benefit is you can triage them. And, and then if it's a true emergency, like a bloat, then no, you need to go to the emergency clinic. But if it's uh, my dog had a seizure type emergency, then, you know, we just kind of talk to him a little bit. So yes, we do triage quite a bit over the phone. So a lot of hospitals in human medicine will have like an angel fund. So if someone needs assistance paying their bill, they apply through the angel fund. Because, you know, you're dealing with poverty yes. down there. Do you have anything that people can access if they need assistance getting care for an animal? Well, the answer is no. And okay. yes, uh, there's not a specific angel fund. Now, we do have a, a slush fund where somebody can't afford care here's a couple hundred bucks and they let us do whatever we want. Our local humane societies are very involved with that sort of thing. We also uh, self-finance. And so we send them a bill every month. The average write-off in the industry is 2%. Our write-off is about 0.3%, which means that in general, people pay their bill. And we do charge billing fees and, and we do charge interest. It would be better to have that money, but it also allows people who need the help to get help for the animals. And, and that is a benefit of being in a small area. You know, we know almost all these people. So that's how we handle that. Working for you. Jeez. It is working. Yeah, it works for us. So time to get after Crystal Ball. Yeah. Now, what do you think rural veterinary medicine will look like 10 to 20 years from now? Well, so, you know, from a medical standpoint, you know, we have all the toys, we have the alt, we have all that stuff. So the quality of medicine is there. To be honest with you, I, it's not going to look a whole lot different. Why do you say that? <laughs> I say that because this is Appalachia. Things do not change. That's all mm -hmm. there is to it. In the industry, we have probably 90% of bills are paid with credit card, Right. We're still at 50%, maybe 40%. So we're saving thousands of dollars a year in credit card fees because people still bring in, you know, their bills are 800 bucks. They'll still bring in $800 bills. Wow. You know, so we have a lot of that kind of stuff still. And, and we have, you know, we have an online pharmacy and I cannot tell you how many clients we have that don't have an email. Wow. Well, we can't do that. We don't, we don't have an email. Okay. But you have to understand that maybe 10 to 15% of this county has access to broadband. I'm sorry, that, that have access to it? Oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh. I mean, the reason we moved, the reason we moved was because the, the highest internet speed we could get was two. Wow. For a city girl like me, like that's unfathomable. Like it was, yeah. And so I, I can't do this interview from my house because we don't have enough signal to do it from my house. That's why I'm oh sitting my in my goodness. clinic for this interview. Wow. Welcome to the real world, Mia. This is our world. I cannot make a phone call from my house because I have zero bars. Oh my gosh. I would lose my life. And I don't want you to sound like we're too backwards, but we are. Uh, but it doesn't seem to have bothered as much. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> One of the changes that may may occur is, you know, as broadband and high-speed internet access gets better, I think that that'll free people up to do things medically they can't do now. 
But in this area, that's our reality. I drive three miles from my clinic and take a right-hand turn, and I do not have a signal until I come out the next morning and take a left-hand turn. Wow. Okay. It's not all bad. I got to be honest with you. You know, I don't have people texting me and all that crap. <laughs> it's not as bad as it sounds. But if I sit on my front porch, I can get one bar on a good day. It, it is what we're using. The downside? Do they just drive by and they send a carrier pigeon? Like, what happens if somebody wants to get a hold of you? Well, so so um, we still have a landline. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we have a landline. Look at me. I'm like, that's so foreign. You have a landline? <laughs> we have two landlines. <laughs> All right. I got it. I feel better. You're still accessible. Yeah. So we're still accessible, but I'm not streaming movies. Still have a DVD player? I do not even have a TV, so... Okay. We have higher speed internet at our house. That's through our landline. I think we got up to like 15 or 18, which for this area is enough that you can watch a movie on your phone or what have you. But as far as 5G is like some kind of pipe dream, it's never going to happen here. So that's why we moved. We wanted to be able to do more medicine, better medicine. You, It's hard to do when you have an internet speed of two. Yeah, You know, so we moved to the one area of the county where they have truly high speed, where we have 50 download and 200 upload, which is is the highest we can get. So it works that, but that's one of the main reasons I didn't renovate my old clinic was internet service. That's interesting. Okay. Well, good to know. Yeah. It's the boondocks, Mia. No kidding. (laughs) And I love it. (laughs) I don't mind visiting you guys in Columbus, but I sure as hell don't want to live there. Except you guys got sushi and stuff like that. That's always good. But, you know, I don't need it that much. So rural, I think, will become more connected over yeah. time. You know, we we would really have a hard time doing telemedicine here just because of the service we run into. We tried it at the pandemic. We literally couldn't get anybody to use it. Nobody. Such a lack of accessibility. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. And it's just that's not the way they want to talk to you. Okay. The rural people like to talk. Gotcha. You know? So, yes, it's when you said earlier, do they drive by? And the answer is they do drive by. And if I'm sitting out on the porch, they'll drive in. Hey, Doc, what's happening? You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's just the way it is around here. That's actually not bad. That would be kind of cool. Actually. No, that's not bad because you know what? I, you know, I got neighbors and, you know, they're a mile and a half away, but they're considered neighbors. You know, if you drive a mile from my house, one direction, you got like five houses in that mile and the other direction, you got like three. And so those are all my neighbors. But if I ever need anything, we got it. Down the road. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely not what you're used to. (laughs) It's not. I've always said, if you need to grow old alone, Appalachia is a good place to do it because somebody will take care of you. I'm checking on you. Yeah. Yep. Check on you, take you to doctor's appointments and blah, blah. And that, that's just the way it is. So it's still very decent around here. That's cool. In hindsight, would you do anything differently if you could start over? Well, you know, I missed a lot of my kids' childhood from being on call all the time. So if I had an opportunity, if I had to do it over, I would probably not provide the constant level of service that I did. Now, the upside of that is we're the only three-doctor large clinic in the county with 14,000 people, and that's because we provide service. 
The other thing I would do differently is I would have built a new clinic a lot sooner. You know, I've been in this clinic for coming three years and I was 55 when I built it. And yeah, I should have built it at 45. Although I would have had to add on because we're already thinking, crap, we need more room. More space. <laughs> more space. That's hard to believe. I never, I honestly thought it was four dog exam rooms one overflow exam room, two cat-only exam rooms, and a euthanasia room, we'd have all the room we ever needed. No. Wow. Yeah, it's, um, we're like everybody else. We're, we're busier than we ever wanted to be. That's a good problem to have. Oh, it is. It is. It is. It is. Dr. Pendleton, what words of wisdom would you offer students who are doctors who might be interested in rural veterinary medicine? Yeah, I guess if I'd give any advice, first of all, if you build it, they will come. Since moving, we have averaged uh, 5.7 new clients a day. Wow. Yes. And we've doubled, doubled our gross in less than two years. We've doubled it. So it is true. If you build it, they will come. So with the new clients, is it because aesthetically, you know, you're just kind of the new shiny thing in town or is it word of mouth? Well, you know, that's a good question. We're the new place. You know, it is shiny and it is big and it is beautiful. Uh, so that is part of it. We don't advertise. I haven't advertised for years. It's all word of mouth. But I think uh, the answer to that question is there's several things. One, it's service. If you were to cold call my front staff, I would be very disappointed if you didn't come away saying, man, that those people were really on it. So part of it is service. But some of that growth is coming out of Pittsburgh, believe it or not. We are, let's see, we're 16 miles from the river. West Virginia is about five miles wide. So the outskirts of Pittsburgh are about 40 miles. So we get addresses all the time from Pennsylvania. One of the clients, I, I said, what brought you here? He said, not only are they expensive in Pittsburgh, which I don't have a problem with, he says, but they're just not nice. And it's true. You know, there's a lot of differences between here and Pittsburgh. And, you know, for the area, we're very competitive and more expensive in many things. But compared to Pittsburgh, where it's more expensive for them to operate, we're worth a power drive. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have not had to advertise. And so it's all word of mouth. You're doing a lot of things right over there, Dr. Pendleton. Yeah. You know what? I'm very proud of my staff. I, I'm very, very proud of my staff and, and I treat them like I'm proud of them and they know that. So okay. that's, that's where our retention comes in and, and that's where their can do positive attitude comes from. They know they're appreciated. So it's partially me, but it's the staff. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you've built a wonderful team around you. I'm, I'm happy to hear about your success and wish you continued success. So thank you. Well, my, my last question for you before I let you go. Yeah. Um, so you plan on slowing down anytime soon? I, I know you retired. So before. theoretically, okay. um, you know, uh, yes, but, but we got to get somebody hired first. No, I had really thought I would be working three days and then one day managing the practice. Okay. But I'm basically, when I get here, I work all day. Full and throttle. I don't okay. get to the practice. <laughs> so that growth is wonderful, but it kind of spiraled out of control. I got my team in now that I've empowered them to make a lot of good decisions. So we're trying to wheel it back in. My hope is when I'm 62 or three, that I'll be able to go down to three days a week. But that being said, I sit and look out my office window and think, man, 
boarding, grooming, and rehab facility look real good sitting right there. <laughs> and so I don't know why you think like that, but when you're in business, <laughs> that's the way your brain thinks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the answer is, is I'm probably not slowing down anytime soon because <laughs> I'm one of the few people in this world that gets to do a job he loves to do. That's awesome. Well, I oh, certainly boy. enjoyed chatting with you today. Thank you so much. I appreciate You're you. So welcome. See you. Bye. At the Ohio Animal Health Foundation, we see a brighter future for animals. And with your help, we can make that vision a reality. Put the fun in fundraising by joining us on September 29th at Bent Tree Golf Club in Sunbury for the Four Animals Classic. Can't participate? You can still support the foundation through a sponsorship or donation. Learn more at oahf.org. That's a wrap on today's episode. Thanks again to Dr. Scott Pendleton for joining us today. And thank you to our listening audience for tuning in. As always, please feel free to visit fullyvettedpodcast.com for show notes and to provide listener feedback. As a reminder, the deadline to enter OVMA's Listen Up contest is September 1st. Visit fullyvettedpodcast.com slash contest to learn more and submit your entry for your chance to win a complimentary registration to the 2022 Midwest Veterinary Conference. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Like the show? Please submit a quick rating and comment on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more listeners like you. Until next time, stay safe and be well.